On a football Friday driven by your local Honda dealer, it's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. Yeah, that football Friday driven by your local Honda dealer. Experience power, performance, and ruggedness with Honda. See your local Honda dealer. And Anthony Haney, uh, you need some ruggedness today out there in the streets. Something as reliable as a Honda, if you will. I see now you're you I turned it. on the wrong well, I turned on the right mic, but it was in the wrong uh wrong mode. Yeah, wrong mode. Okay. Uh yeah. We're, it's too early in the show for a fine. That's that's we're gonna blame Essek on that one. Yeah. And even if it's not, if it's Denton's fault, then we can yell at him at four thirty when he joins us because Denton's also very locked in on college football and mock draft season is officially here. It is indeed. It is indeed, but I would say it's probably Essek because he uses two mics as opposed to one mic. Why does he use two mics? Uh, for some reason, he doesn't like to use the talkback button here, so he uses both mics. Interesting. Yeah, to talk to. Matt Essex is an interesting character. Yes, he is. Then again, never mind. I'm not going to go there. Uh, so here's what we got today. Uh, Denton Day, uh, who's, of course, producer uh, for us here at Team 980, every single weekday on the Kevin Sheehan Show, but is also a fine broadcaster in his own right, uh, who has done a lot of work with Sirius XM College football coverage. Um, he is going to join us. Uh, it, Daniel Jeremiah put out his, his mock draft 1.0, which I'm using to kick off as officially mock draft season is here. You'll remember if you've been with us for a long time, we do a segment we call Mock the Mock, where we kind of make fun of the mock drafts, uh, which is very fun at this point in the calendar um, because nobody knows anything. We're, they're going to change so much. Um, but it, we kind of came up with it midway through last draft season. Because some of the mock drafts were stupid. Uh, but th- we, it gives us a kind of a fun way to look, uh, have some lighthearted fun with the fact that we're projecting this draft four months out. But in reality, it's also, I think, at this point in the calendar, a great way to kind of acquaint ourselves with the names that we're going to be talking about, not just for the commanders, because there's a very small number when you're picking as high as Washington is, uh, but all the, all the names that will be kind of the center of attention over the next four months uh we start though today with some quick thoughts on ben johnson ben johnson is the lions offensive coordinator who is interviewing i think this evening virtually it's at some point today but i do believe it's this evening uh after the lions have gone home for the day about uh, or for the washington commander's open head coaching job very simply he is the universal number one ranked candidate on the market. That does not mean he is inherently the best candidate on the market. There have been many head coach candidates that do not work out as head coaches, and that could be because they aren't up to the job. It could be because they wind up taking a job that was not a good fit for them, and they have bad luck, uh, they were overrated, whatever the reason is, there's, there's dozens of reasons why uh, head coach candidates don't work out. And I would also argue that especially in this cycle, there are probably different definitions for best candidate available depending on who your job is or what your job is. For instance, do I want Bill Belichick here in Washington? Absolutely not. Do I want Eric Bieniemy here in Washington? Absolutely not. I don't think those are rebuild candidates. If I am Atlanta, I am extremely interested in both men. I know that if I can get decent quarterback play, which for me, if I'm Atlanta, means trading for Justin Fields um, or signing some other veteran uh, free agent, but probably probably signing 
uh, or trading for Justin Fields, that I, I could be pretty successful because they have a great roster. If I'm in Los Angeles and I've got Justin Herbert under contract uh, and I need to make some things work defensively, a guy like Belichick is, is tremendously intriguing. Mike Vrabel is more intriguing if I am ready to win right now than I am in a rebuild. Not that those candidates would not have some things to offer here and not that a guy like Ben Johnson wouldn't have anything to offer and couldn't win right now in those other situations. Just what you are looking for will depend on what you are looking for. And not all of these jobs are the same. Every head coaching job is a little bit different. And for Washington, with a blank slate, I think a guy like Ben Johnson is the number one guy. There are others that I would also be extremely happy with. We talked about Raheem Morris yesterday. Um, the more I read and the more I hear about Morris uh, the more I would be thrilled if, if they wound up going that direction. Uh, Mike McDonald from Baltimore is certainly interesting. Uh, Bobby Slowick from Houston is certainly interesting to me. But I think Johnson has a distinct way of thinking about the game based off what we see from him. And everyone you talk to behind the scenes says, this dude's got it. This dude is dynamic. This dude has what it takes to be a leader. He understands roster construction, which you'll actually hear from his boss in just a moment. But when it comes to like offensive football and the building an identity, he strikes the toughness tone that I is a must. And from a more schematic standpoint, like nobody ran the football more from under center this year than the Detroit lions. Now, Jared Goff operates pretty well from under center, um, but also, so he knows how to play to his quarterback strengths. But I think more generally, like that led to an extremely effective play action game where they, I think also led the league in play and touchdowns off play action pass. They understand how to marry their run in their pass game, which is something that I've been begging offensive coordinators in Washington to do for years. I have never understood why you think faking a run play that you don't actually run will get the desired impact from the defense of a, of a fake. Like the whole point is to, like if I never shoot with my left hand, Every once in a while, if we're playing one-on-one, -on -one, could I get you to, to bite on a pump fake if I fake a, you know, a left-handed shot? Maybe. But if like I'm standing at the three-point line and, and I pump fake with my left and I'm right-handed, you're probably just going to be like, okay, shoot it. Go ahead. You're not going to get any reaction. And the same is true on a more macro level, on a, on a bigger level because it's 11-on-11, with play action. And like he understands that. That fundamental cohesive vision of how to play is the kind of person that I want running my football team. I also like someone who has been introspective, taken time, learned, developed themselves as uh, a better coach with an eye on the future. And Dan Campbell uh, actually talked today, the Lions head coach, about Ben Johnson coming back for this final year when he could have left for a head coaching job last year. I think he's made him a better coach. You know, yeah, he's grown as a coordinator, got a little bit better. You learn things as you would being in that position again. But I, but I think, yes, there's that. But I think it's made him more rounded, well-rounded coach. Um, I just think everything has grown. Um, I think he's got a very good grasp of what we do, roster management. I think when, when you do that and, and you get in that and it's like, okay, there could be a next step. I'm not ready for that. In my head, I don't want to do that yet. Yes, I'm a better coordinator, but it's also, he knows he's starting to look for and ask these questions um, about those roster, game day, um, 
building a team, what you're looking for, front of the room. Um, you know, and I think that's it's served him well, and it's a credit to him. And but not many people would do that, and but that's how he viewed it. It's an experience for him. Um, it's a chance to grow, and it's a chance to grow with people that he appreciates being around. Those players, the coaches, everybody in this building. That's the kind of guy I want. Dan Campbell's not available, so I'll take the guy that he's talking about. I'll take Ben Johnson any day of the week. Um, it's pretty simple. Like as a as a coordinator, if you've never been a head coach. You don't know what you don't know. You see all the head stuff the head coach does for you. You see all the stuff the head coach does for the team when you're involved. But you don't know what he's doing when he's, when he's in his office working on other stuff. So go ask. And Ben Johnson has taken the time to ask. And I think someone who's that inquisitive, that much uh, or appreciates that larger picture understanding of what's going on within a football operation is the exact right kind of guy to be a head coach in this league. And one thing I will say about Mike McDonald, this is this is a question, not a negative, is McDonald, you know, one of the other guys that's getting interviews, and including here, is Anthony Weaver, the defensive line coach. Weaver also has the assistant head coach title. And so I wonder how much a guy like McDonald could probably stand to do exactly what Ben Johnson did. Hey, stay one more year with an eye on being a head coach next year and really learning. Now, he might have known, hey, if I have a good year, like I think I, I could be the next guy. And he might have already started that. Or John Harbaugh might be great at mentoring, and you don't got to worry about that. But when you talk about these younger coaches versus a guy like Johnson who took that extra year kind of as a study year, obviously he's doing his job at a very high level as an OC, but also studying to become a head coach. Raheem Morris, who's been a head coach. Dan Quinn, who's been a head coach. You know, do these young guys know what it takes and, and will, or are they smart enough to overcome it? I think those are the kinds of things that are, that are very interesting uh, and why some younger coaches sometimes struggle. Um, but you don't know what you don't know. And the fact that Ben Johnson was like, let me find out, uh, I think is pretty fascinating and, and a great, great sign of why he is the number one guy on most people's list around the league as a potential head coach and certainly is the number one guy on my list as well, even if I think there are plenty of other good names on it. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. When we get back, the first big mock draft of the season, Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft 1.0 is out. Who does he have the commanders taking at two? We'll tell you if you haven't seen it next. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. If you can't get kid, just get going, Ant, with some Passion Pit on a Friday, then I don't, I don't really know what, uh, what we got for you. It's crazy because every time you're about to come back from break, the mm -hmm. words start, the words and the song start going, and then you start talking. Like, you don't dang. think that I do that on purpose? I don't know. Sometimes. Here's Maybe. the thing. The people the people might not know about me. Um, by the way, we're streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980 as well. You can watch the show there uh, most of the time, all three hours today, just 2.15, uh, as we have Georgetown Hoops tonight on the Team 980. But people might not know, Anthony, about me is that uh, your boy has a music radio background. Like, I can, I know how to hit a post. I know how to how to talk over an intro. I know how to hit a, hit a song, you know, right when I, right when I want to, um, yeah, 
they didn't they didn't uh, name me general manager at Z89 in Syracuse for nothing. I'm just saying. I in, my first two ra- internships in radio were in top forty music. Oh wow! And like you Did learned you know that about me. I didn't know your first. I know you were in music. I didn't know your first two radio gigs were. Yeah, actually in top forty. My music. actually even my first cool. my first professional radio job was. Uh, I, I did a midday sports talk show and here's a fun story. Um, I'll make this quick cause I know people care less about this and more about the mock draft, but in the interest of fun story time, which who doesn't love a good story. Um, th- so I, I did a midday sports talk radio show, uh, on a station in Lawrence, Kansas, um, KLWN, which is like an AM station. You could only hear it in like inside the Lawrence city limits. Um, but it was the, like the flagship home of. KU basketball and everything. So like it was, it was the news talk station. Um, it is kind of like your classic small town radio thing. I also anchored election coverage. So, um, you know, when, when we had that back in, oh God, that would have been the 2012 election. Um, so I anchored election coverage that night, uh, which was not just like national elections, but, uh, you know, obviously all the local elections, yada, yada, yada. Um, so did that covered a season of Charlie Weiss, KU football, but, uh, afternoon drive, my first ever afternoon drive gig, I was the music jock on our music station in the same cluster that had massive reach. Like you could listen to that station in Kansas city. We had a, a pretty big, like 45 minutes away and you could list drive through downtown Kansas city. And we were competing with the pop stations in Kansas city. Um, and they made me use different names. They wouldn't let me just be me. And so they were like, you need to pick a different name for the music station. And I was like, this is dumb. They're like, you have to, like, we won't let you. Um, and I was like, okay. So I picked KJ, which in my head stood for kiss. Cause we were kiss FM kiss jock, like as in disc jockey. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is the most generic name I can think of. Well, it also still is kind of cool on the radio. Um, but it was my little form of protest because I hated the fact they wouldn't just let me be me. It's like, yeah, I know sports and I know music. What you gonna do about it? All right, KJ. Yeah, I should have told you that. Ever. <laughs> I shouldn't have told anybody that. I just realized I, I created a weapon against myself. Yes, you did. Um, but yeah, that was a form of protest, is what that was. Uh, all right, so Denton Day is gonna join us in a few minutes. Uh, Denton, uh, resident in-house college football expert here at the Team 980. But we have Anthony Haney, a mock draft. Dun, 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 dun. Although I should have probably done NFL Network's music because uh, it's NFL Network. Uh, and and their uh, lead draft analyst, Daniel Jeremiah, who has the Chicago Bears at number one. And by the way, we do a seg- we call this segment Mock the Mock because we kind of make a little fun of the mock drafts. Uh, although at this point, we're really, we don't have, know enough yet to do too much. Uh, at this point, we're in the learning phase. So it's really learn the mock. Um, Chicago Bears taking Caleb Williams at one. And I do think it's interesting that they interviewed Cliff Kingsbury yesterday um, to be their offensive coordinator, potentially. Like Cliff, <laughs> my, my friend Jane Coaston uh, at the New York Times, uh, who's done a bunch of sports work as well. She's, she said, I think Cliff Kingsbury has taken being extremely good looking to its absolute end. Because what results does he have? I mean, this dude was winning, what, seven games a year at Texas Tech with Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback? 
It goes to the NFL. Doesn't really go great. This year, like, USC way underperformed. And now it's like, hey, we got we to gotta get Caleb's guy out there to, in Chicago to be the OC. Maybe. We'll see. I mean, Cliff's, Cliff's smart for sure, but I don't think he's – If I, let me just put it this way. He wouldn't be my choice at OC uh, if, I was, if I was trying to maximize Caleb Williams as the number one overall pick. But maybe they've got to convince Caleb to go to Chicago, and that's the only way they feel like they can do it. Uh, Washington at two. He's got him taking Drake May. Um, Drake is an interesting, interesting prospect. He has prototypical size. He's got a cannon of an arm. Um, and everybody that watches him doesn't seem to be that impressed anyway. It's like, there's a little bit of like, you know, some, some years, you know, like, oh, this guy's, I'm trying to think of names. I mean, this happened a little bit with Sam Howell, but that was like one mock draft that got, that had Sam at number one. And then a bunch of people went crazy and like, oh my God, how'd he fall to the fifth round? He was the number one pick if he came out after his junior year. And it's like, not really. Um, cause one mock draft had him that high, but a lot of people did have him in the first round, but like, remember Jake locker back in the day, Ant? that name ring yep. a bell, yep. old Washington quarterback. Yep. If that dude had come out after his junior year, he was number one in every mock draft. He goes back to be a senior. He winds up going 10 and then he has a pretty nasty concussion, uh, and, and never really pans out in the league, um, amongst the other factors. But certainly that was the, the biggest one. He retired very early, but like there's these kind of foregone conclusion guys where it's like all year it's been may and williams may and williams may and williams and really williams and may williams and may williams and may and then like you get to the process and all of a sudden it's like wait why did everyone think it's these two guys and there's a lot of people that feel that way about williams as well because he's never on time he is he is patty mahomes run around make a play type of guy um, may can do some of that stuff too but he's just this I, and i think people look at may and it's like he's prototypical everything except for the actual stuff you need to be good at quarterback um, where he's a more of a mixed bag. It's not like he's big size, big arm, quick release, everything. And then he actually sucks. He doesn't suck by any stretch of the imagination, but the decision-making and stuff is, is definitely um, I think a little more up in the air. Um, Jaden Daniels goes three to new England uh, in this mock draft from Daniel Jeremiah, which leaves Marvin Harrison Jr. going four. I think this is possible, but is is definitely feels like someone would would want to come up uh, for Harrison. And then he's got uh, to round out the top ten quickly, and then we'll break and come back and talk more draft with Denton. Uh, Roma Dunze, the Was- Washington wide receiver, uh, Malik Neighbors, uh, the uh, LSU wide receiver. So the first six picks are three quarterbacks, three receivers crazy then joe alt the notre dame tackle to tennessee uh dallas turner the edge out of alabama to atlanta at eight chicago their second pick of their natural selection jared verse who's another edge rusher uh who would go across from montez sweat uh and then the jets have uh talicia fuanga who's another tackle um i think it's worth mentioning that uh olu fashanu who a lot of people think is the best tackle in this draft he hasn't fallen all the way to 13 to the Raiders. He says teams, this is he being Daniel Jeremiah, teams are split on Fashanu. They took a step back in 2023 after a dominant 2022. Uh, and then the next quarterback coming off the board is New Orleans has Bo Nix at 14. I think Nix is a guy that is going to climb boards. He might wind up being QB4 um, in this draft. Uh, I was reading 
Uh, Lance Zerline's write up on him today, uh, who's the NFL.com's like lead draft guy. He does like if you go to NFL.com and read a draft profile on a player, as we've all done, and we're searching the combine stats, and it's like scouting report. Lance Zerline is the guy that writes that. Um, he says that if you just ignore the Auburn tape and like that guy is dead, the guy that he was at Auburn is dead, and just look at his Oregon tape, like there's not a lot not to like. So I think Bo Nix is going to wind up driving, uh, going up draft boards, especially if he can convince teams in interviews that, like, hey, the quarterback that I was at Oregon is the guy I am now. What they asked me to do at Auburn was different. That's not that's not who I'm going to be in the NFL. All right, uh, Denton Day is going to join us next. Uh, of course, you know him from the Kevin Sheehan Show and hosted nights, weekends, etc. Uh, between 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980, but also big time on SiriusXM's college football uh, programming. So Denton will join us next. What does he think? Of these top quarterbacks, who would he take for Washington at number two as someone who actually has an opinion, has watched the college tape? Denton joins us next. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app and streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980, where if you're watching, you see a uh, a lovely beanie on, on the head of Denton Day. Uh, what's up, buddy? How are you? I'm good, but can you name the character on the beanie? No, I can't. I, like, I honestly, I probably couldn't anyway, but, uh, oh, that's that's a Dragon Ball Z character, but I haven't watched it Dragon, is Dragon Ball Z, Ball Z. That's close 25 enough. years. I think that's a win for you. Oh, Anthony just gave gave me the answer. Gohan. <laughs> it is Gohan. It's Super nice Saiyan Nice job, Gohan. Anthony. I'm proud of you. Hey, good job by <laughs> Anthony Haney. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to claim to take credit. Uh, like I just remembered something that I. I did watch Dragon Ball Z as a kid. Just I haven't watched it since I was a kid. Um, anyway, uh, we don't have you on to talk Dragon Ball Z characters. We do have you on to talk college prospects. Of course, so many of you know Denton uh, as the producer of the Kevin Sheehan Show and as someone who hosted our Burgundy and Gold Game Day uh, live show and, and has hosted overtime and, and all the different things on 106.7 The Fan the Team 980. But he's also a big part of what SiriusXM does on the college football side of things. So uh, Daniel Jeremiah just put out his mock draft. He's got Drake mm-hmm. May going number two to Washington. Do you have an early favorite of, of these top quarterbacks? And for you, like, what is the group? Is it Williams, everybody else, Williams, May, Williams, May, Daniels? Like how, how deep is your top echelon of QBs? Uh, my, my top echelon is three. I, I've been privy to Jaden Daniels since probably about October, just because I loved watching him play at, at LSU. So I would definitely include him in, in that top three. I, I still think as of now, he is my preference. Now, over the next couple of days and weeks, Craig, I, I'm going to start like really honing in on Drake May because I watch a lot more of, of Jane Daniels than I did Drake May this year. So I, I'm much more familiar with his game versus some of the UNC games. Either they just weren't playing great teams, the games maybe weren't as relevant as some of those SEC games uh, that Jane Daniels was playing in. But I, I loved watching him. And what you could see with him um, against Missouri, he got hurt misses a series, comes back in. And then there was a very big difference in the way that he played. Everyone is going to say, well, he puts himself in danger. Well, after that Missouri game, he kind of stopped doing that. So so he, he gets hurt. He kind of learns from it. There was a potential of him not playing the next week. He does play. And then his game shifted, and it shifted for the better. He was still a threat with his legs, but I was really impressed by the way he was able to adapt early in the season. So – I saw I'm hesitant to bring up this name today because he is doing other things on Twitter that I don't care to mention at all. Uh, But I saw a comparison of Jaden as a runner to RG three. 
um, <laughs> that he's more of a straight line guy, less of an elusive guy. Like who is, you know, I, I also read a scouting report that was like Jaden Daniels is the real dual threat guy. That's actually great at both of them. So I've, I've mm-hmm. seen a little bit of everything. Like how do you compare the style of Jaden Daniels as a runner and how big of an impact is that part of his game in the NFL from like the RG three to the Lamar Jackson scale of, you know, elusiveness and, and ability to actually do this over time. I do wonder if Jaden gets compared to RG three, if it wasn't for the extracurriculars going on on Twitter over the past couple of days, because I look at him as much more of a Lamar Jackson style of runner when it comes to being able to, to stop on a dime a little bit more easy um, than what Robert Griffin was able to do. So I look at him much more similarly to Lamar and even from a skill set standpoint, there was a really good deep ball, which was something Lamar had in his bag um, coming out of college. So I think, I think of those two guys as better comparisons rather than Jaden and Robert Griffin. Uh, Denton Day is with us, of course, producer of the Kevin Sheehan Show and a part of SiriusXM uh, college football coverage. Uh, May is – I know you haven't gone deep on him yet, but, mm-hmm. like, what is what is the thing that makes him so tantalizing that, that he was the number two guy in the eyes of most people behind Caleb Williams all year? Uh, he's – one, he's tall. Uh, I think height is a huge factor with him. He's about 6'4". And he can, I mean, the ease that he makes certain throws, which in college, I'm sure you know, the, the field is set up a little differently and the ball is is placed a little differently. So some of the throws uh, are in college are actually a little longer than you would anticipate in the NFL. But he didn't really have issues with some of those far hash throws, which is really impressive. And when you, when you look at that UNC roster, they're not nearly as talented as like a USC was or like an LSU was. So he was doing it with a little lesser guys, guys that maybe aren't going to be playing as frequently on Sundays, but some of the throws he was making, I mean, there there, there didn't seem to be windows that were too tight for him. It it was really, really impressive. And his footwork is really, really strong as long as he's consistent with it. And then you add an element of athleticism. So think of maybe a more, a a more confident runner of, of Sam Howe, right? Like when Sam ran a little bit, there was, Sometimes it felt like he he didn't have his legs fully under him at, at times this year. I think Drake May is a much more confident runner. Um, so I, I've in the small sample size of things that I've seen from him, and I did watch him this year. But in the small sample size, you you see some things. You're like, all right, I understand why scouts and teams are going to fall in love with him. And I think as they look at more film and as they get to meet the kid, I think you're going to fall more and more in love with him. He comes from a really good family, a sports family. I think that's going to help him in this process. Yeah, and I was watching a little bit of stuff on him earlier, and Colt McCoy was doing a breakdown, and he threw like a far hash slot fade. So, like, balls on the left hash and, you know, slot receiver to the right, and that's kind of like in the NFL. You're throwing that to the outside, but there's a lot more space to to miss, um, and he he didn't miss. And so the things like that I think are going to be really interesting in the interview process, but they're going to dissect the hell out of his tape, so it's going to be – Interesting. Where are you at on, on Caleb Williams? Like, is he your number one guy overall? Or you know, are you like actually a fan? Like if, if uh, Chicago takes Williams, you're like sick. Now we get to take Daniels or, you know, maybe may at the end, but Daniels is, is actually your number one guy. Yeah, I'm way more comfortable with the other two guys now than I thought I was going to be, especially at the start of the season. Caleb is still number one. I think there's some tendencies with him that, you would love to coach into somebody that he already has. So so I think he brings some skill sets to the NFL immediately that make life a little easier. The, the one downside with him, and this is what it kind of came to me at the, at the midpoint of the season, 
I do think there were elements of his game this year where he really liked leaning into the ideas that he was playing Mahomes-esque. So I think he looked off like very early leads in order to do the thing where he dances around in the pocket, similar to what we see Mahomes do, and then come up with a big play rather than just something that'll pick up a couple of yards. You live to see the next down and keep the chain moving. And and we know that works in college, especially in the, in the beginning of the season when you're playing lesser opponents. But as the opponents got better, when you start looking at Utah, which had great pass rushers, and Notre Dame, which had great pass rushers and really good defenses, those plays were a little more hard to come by. So I think he he leaned into that a little too much this season. So I do think there are going to be some teams that knock him for that. But I do still see him as the number one overall quarterback. Yeah, his talent is otherworldly. So is his lack of ability to not be on schedule. You're just like, yeah, dude, can you do anything on time? Like, it's crazy. I mean, that's kind of how Mahomes was at Texas Tech. And I do think it's interesting that I, I was mentioning this in the last segment, Denton, like Kingsbury getting this interview with Chicago. I'm like, <laughs> what what like what are we doing with Cliff? Is there anybody that has made more money from just being in the right place? Like, oh, we saw him out to dinner once with Sean McVay. Here's the head coaching job of the Arizona Cardinals after you had just gotten fired at Texas Tech and for two his weeks, alma mater where he was a legend. Right. And he was for two weeks like the offensive coordinator at USC, never coached there. And then all of a sudden he gets a head coaching job and then he goes back to USC to hang out with Caleb Williams for a year. And now he might get an OC job in the NFL. That man, I I don't know what he's done or like if he's involved in witchcraft or something, but it's working. Yeah, I mean, good. Good for him. Good for Cliff. Uh, possibly bad for all the people that are working for him, but, you know, uh, good for Cliff. Last thing uh, for you, sir, Denton Day with us here on a Friday edition of the Hoffman Show. Uh, Outside of quarterback, is there anybody that's intriguing, or are you already firmly planted in team, you better take a freaking quarterback at two because you need one? You definitely got to take a quarterback at two because you need one. But in looking at Jeremiah's mock draft, he's the first guy that I had seen that had the first six players be wide receiver and quarterback. And I do think that benefits the commanders. If you want to, you know, potentially look at that, that Chicago pick that you got for Montez sweat. And maybe there's a really good offensive lineman that is going to in a regular year, be a first round guy that's available in that early second round because of the fire sale on wide receivers and quarterbacks, or you do kind of what you do with Montez sweat a couple of years ago, where you trade back into the late first round yeah. and, and get somebody. So there are a couple, there are a couple of really good tackles that I think are going to be available. If everybody and their mother decides to, to go quarterback or wide receiver early in the first round. For sure. And I'm also curious to see what the second wave of quarterbacks, like what happens there. Um, I said, this is the highest I've seen Bo Nix uh, at, at yeah. QB4. Um, you know, everyone I think had Penix and, uh, and McCarthy above him. I know when um, uh, Matt Miller did his, like he had McCarthy top 10. Uh, so that was yeah. that was a while ago at this point. And, you know, we'll see how that develops over time. But it is going to be pretty fascinating to see that that next trio of quarterbacks, uh, Penix, Knicks, and, and McCarthy, how they fare, especially if there's that early one, two, three run where everyone gets scared um, and, right. and how the commanders and Adam Peters play that will be pretty, pretty fascinating. Uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll do this many times over the next couple of months. Uh, Denton, thank you, sir. Uh, thanks for bringing the, the stylish beanie uh, to the program <laughs> and uh, have a great weekend. Yeah, appreciate it, Greg. Thanks, man. All right, that is Denton Day with us here on the Hoffman Show. When we get back... Uh, We will take a look 
at the biggest news of the day in the NFL non-playoff category. We do have a head coaching hire, uh, and then we will talk to Tim Twentyman at uh, 5 p.m. Tim is the Lions uh, or a writer for Lions.com who uh, is excellent at what he does and can give us a lot more insight on Ben Johnson. So all of that's still to come, uh, but first a look at what's trending. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. And we are streaming live on a football Friday driven by your local Honda dealer. Experience, power, performance, and ruggedness with Honda. See your local Honda dealer. Tim Twentyman will join us coming up at the top of the hour from Lions.com on the day that the Commanders are interviewing Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson for their head coaching job. Uh, He is, according to multiple reports, the favorite for this job. Um, He's got ties to Chris or to the Spielman family. Chris is the Lions president. Uh, Rick is the advisor. Uh, They are brothers. Uh, Rick, the advisor that Josh Harris hired. So, Uh, It's certainly going to be interesting to see how that interview goes and and what potentially comes out. I will say one thing that is interesting, Anthony, uh, before we talk about Antonio Pierce, is there have been no leaks. Josh Harris runs a tight ship. And it's so funny because I don't think Josh Harris is, like, behind the scenes probably going, no leaks, no leaks, no leaks, no leaks. Like, he's not getting in front of people threatening that, whatever. There's a flow of information. Um, he hires people that he can trust. Those people don't respond to reporters um, or don't give them anything. And what gets out gets out. But ultimately, you you get no no major leakage as opposed to like someone like Snyder was obsessed with leaks because he's obsessed with the media and obsessed with narratives and stuff gets leaked all the time um, because you hire people that can't keep their mouth shut. So it just shows like substance over style is the way to go to actually achieve that kind of goal. But I don't, I don't know that Josh Harris cares what particularly gets out about this. It's just like you, you go, you do the job, people are quiet and then you make the move. Like Bob Myers thing, no rumors, no rumblings, Rick Spielman, like that came out of nowhere. Um, Obviously we knew that Peter's, uh, and Cunningham were interviewing. They, those are that's that's easy, like that's easy work for a reporter. And then that they had the two finalists, and everybody had the same information at the same time. And then they made the hire, and bang, 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 it was done. So, I'm going to say it's not about running a tight ship. They run a professional ship over there. Yeah, and that's what that's what I got uh, the feeling of when, you know, we got the the Bob Myers news and things of that nature, like. Had this been a previous regime, you know, I, I think we would have, you know, heard about it. There would have been rumblings. There would have been something out there already. And I just think, you know, the the way Josh Harris and, and crew have gone about it, they've just been super strategic in how they've, you know, wanted to do this process. And to me, I love it. I love, you know, yeah. breaking news. I don't want to, you know, speculate this, speculate that. I think everything that they're, that they're doing is super calculated and – and I think we're going to appreciate it. 
I also think that it's a small ship right now. It's yep. a professional ship that's not run by a lot of people. And mm-hmm. the less mouths there are to, to blab, the less mouths there are to blab. So the, le- the less ears, the less mouths, if you will. And so there just aren't a lot of people in that circle right now. And obviously they're hiring out. And I would imagine eventually like more stuff comes out and it, it kind of there's a, there's a more normal news cycle relationship, if you will. The more people you get in as you get back into football stuff, like eventually there's just a ton of coaches and, you know, people with relationships and stuff gets out. But like on this high level stuff, it's Josh. It's, you know, Mitchell Rails ain't talking to anybody at the freaking whatever. He's not talking to me. He's not talking to the Washington Post. He's not talking to ESPN. He's not talking to anybody. He's unless he's saying hi at, at a thing and he's not giving you information. Um, so like Mitchell Rails ain't blabbing. Magic Johnson's not talking to anybody. Um, you know, like, Good luck getting that phone number, you know, and other people whose numbers maybe are a little more gettable. They ain't saying anything. So there's that. Uh, quickly, the Raiders did the right thing today, and they did it a couple years after they probably did the wrong thing. Um, they screwed up the Rich Passaccia thing, um, and maybe maybe they didn't. You know, I think sometimes we judge too much on results. And it's like, maybe going with Richard Versace wasn't the right thing. Going with Josh McDaniels was definitely the wrong thing. That guy as a head coach stinks. But they they take the interim coach that everybody loves, that did a great job, that navigated difficult circumstances, and they hire him. And I think Mark Davis probably was just like, look, if this is wrong, then at least I did what everybody wanted this time. But also, I think Pierce is worthy of the job. Um, Pierce, uh, today hired as the, or is is agreeing right now to terms on a multi-year deal to become the next head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, remove the interim tag. And I think it's great because, you know, he's a former player, but not a former quarterback, um, a a position in linebacker that hasn't always been thought of as, as a future head coach, but we see it with D'Amico, um, especially those middle linebackers really, you know, have to know ball and, uh, Pierce helped coordinate and, and organize a top five defense from the moment that he took over. They're a mess on offense. They got to figure that out. But I'd, I'd like to be a mess with Devontae Adams to play with um, if you're if you're trying to find a quarterback. But they, they got to figure that out. I don't think Aiden O'Connell's their guy long term. But I, I think that ultimately what you want from a head coach is leadership, vision, strategy, energy. Antonio Pierce has all those things. And is he going to be more of a CEO head coach than, than someone like, you know, McVay or, or Kyle or, you know, if Ben Johnson gets hired? Yeah, probably. Um, but he could maybe take on the D'Amico Ryan's role of, of kind of being the DC, kind of doing the same thing. Brandon Staley, what he did in LA, obviously one example of something's working, one example of one that didn't, uh, you don't have to be the coordinator, but I think the good thing is he's already got it figured out. He did it last year. He got to do it on a trial basis, and he proved he could do it, and it would work. So he understands exactly what he's going to be as a head coach. He's going to hopefully, for his sake, understand the people he needs to hire around him and keep around him uh, and replace with high-quality people when they, if they get jobs in the future to ensure that he can be everything that, that maximizes his ability as a head coach. And he's got a great organization out there, uh, seemingly with what they've built in Las Vegas. He's got great facilities, um, has obviously Devontae Adams and Max Crosby and, and some really high-level players. So congrats to Antonio Pierce uh, on, on earning that job. Um, and it really – the, the one thing that I'll say real quick before we get to Tim 20 minutes is 
Antonio Pierce getting this job today started with him standing up to Josh McDaniels. To be for he started with him being the type of leader that uh, every team needs. And Josh McDaniels wasn't it as the head coach. And Pierce was like, I refuse to like he could have just as easily sat back and just watched it all flame down like everybody else. And instead, he was the voice that stood up. And that's not always easy. And thankfully, uh, for the Raiders sake, they went, they realized that McDaniels was the problem and not the guy speaking up, voicing the opinion of everyone else and moved on. And, and, and now you see Pierce being rewarded with that head coaching job. All right, when we get back here on the Hoffman Show, what is uh, it like to, to cover Ben Johnson every day? Tim Twentyman uh, from Lions.com joins us, and he will tell us more about the potential future head coach of the Commanders, who is interviewing today. That's next.